Live Wild's Connection Matters podcast, bringing together heart-centered, nature-connected, curious people who share the inquiry, how can we create a connected and meaningful way of living that brings more health, happiness and growth to our world? My name is Leona Johnson and I am your host. Hey beautiful humans, welcome to episode 31 of Connection Matters podcast. How are you today? I hope you are well. I'm Leona Johnson and I'm really pleased to be here, having just come back from a gorgeous weekend with my two children in our van to the northeast of England. Um, Yeah, have you spent much time there? It's so different for me, who often spends time on the west coast or in Wales or in the north of Scotland. I have spent very little time on the East Coast. The only thing I know about it is is that it's colder and drier, which it was this weekend. And wow, it was so beautiful. We went to somewhere called Flamborough Head and camped on a gorgeous little campsite and walked along the cliffs, which are so epic. Big, white, gorgeous cliffs and huge waves crashing against them. It's like the forces of nature right there in front of you and my kids were just blown away really they really they just loved it and they'd never seen anything like it before despite all the traveling about we've done so it was gorgeous playing in the rock pools and clambering about we all ended up with wet shoes by the end of it getting getting caught by the waves (laughs) yeah it was great so i'm here today um feeling nourished and rested and ready for the week ahead and it's really nice to be bringing you this podcast with Jill Kettle who is a dear friend and an inspiring leader in the field of connection. Um, She is, well you'll hear more about what she does and, and more about her own autobiography from her but I thought I would share something that she sent me rather than share her bio because I think it really introduces this podcast beautifully. She says, What really motivates my work is the deep question of how do we create the conditions in which our young people and ourselves can really tune in and listen to what the creativity of life might want to be expressing through us. Shifting our socially conditioned perspective from ego and entitlement to an embodied sense of interdependence and recognition of our relationship to all things. So a rite of passage does not need to reinforce trauma or intergenerational wounds, but becomes an opportunity to be in true service to the vision of life for the health and happiness of ourselves and all our relatives. It's a wonderful conversation, and I knew it would be, because Jill, she really knows her stuff. She's clear, she's thought about it a lot, and she's very experienced, having worked with women and rites of passage and healing for over 20 years. So I'm really excited for you to hear this podcast and also felt it was important to add a little bit more about um, some of the the topic. We we move on to um, rites of passage for women and talking a little bit about the menstrual cycle and the importance of connecting to our bodies and things that are related to cycles of life and the normal flow and ebb of um, menstruation. And 
Jill wanted to say a little bit more after the podcast, which she's thought about since. And I've got to say, it was on the tip of my tongue to talk about it in this way during the episode. But, you know, sometimes there's just too much to say. But it feels feels okay to share it a bit more here. So from an Indigenous point of view, and in my experience and in Jill's experience, an actual reality, when we bleed, we're in one of the strongest ceremonies known to humankind. The reason so many earth-based traditional communities honoured this time and set it apart from normal activity is because the power of this liminal space and its benefit to the individual and the community was understood. Imagine that. Imagine being in a community that understands the power of this time when women are in their menstruation and this really powerful time of bleeding and letting go. So it's a time of death and transformation where what needs to move within us can and we can access important insights. It can also move and transform the energy all around us. We literally become conduits for healing, transformation and change. So given the scope of the need for movement and rebalancing that we're currently experiencing on a global level, offering this part of the natural process of women the honour it deserves could serve us all in deep ways. And I absolutely agree with this because my experience is having done um, various moon ceremonies, one of them being where I took myself away into a dark pitch black dome on the earth and spent time there alone and in silence and it's a quite a you know a space where you you lose all sense of time and space when you're in the pitch black but you're awake it's very powerful and can be scary and intense and deep and beautiful for me it also led to really deep feelings of release anger frustration that didn't feel to be mine. I was so angry when I came out. I was so frustrated and full of tears, sobbing, and and a lot of um, movement occurred. It was powerful. And I got a sense that it wasn't mine. It It wasn't my grief that was coming through. It was the sense that this grief was being moved for and with possibly others. And, um, It was so profound and beautiful and it was the first time that I really understood what that meant to be in a ceremony where you are the conduit of um, transformation. You are the conduit for healing. And we, as women, as menstruating bodies, have that capacity if we were only taught that, if we were only able to tune in. And many women have done that intuitively and um, I admire that and I find that really powerful. But it's not something that I assume. It's not something that most women are taught. Um, even if we, you know, don't fill ourselves with self-hatred or disgust because of the moon time, but actually embrace it in some ways. We we don't have these ceremonies. We don't have this cultural awareness. The men and all the others in the community aren't taught it either and I think it it doesn't it doesn't come from from one place so it's a it's a big subject and you'll hear us delving into it a little bit during the episode but also there's so much more out there and in the show notes Jill has very helpfully sent some links and there's 
information on her website that you can look at for uh, even more good access to people that can delve even deeper. So I hope it's useful to you and inspiring. It certainly is for me to just any time to have this these kinds of conversations give me hope. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy it. If you're returning, then welcome back. And it's really lovely to be speaking to you again in this way. If you haven't already, please do click on that little subscribe button below so that new episodes come straight to you. Also, do subscribe to the Connection Matters podcast mailing list for any updates on new episodes and offerings from us. And you can do that at www.livewild.org.uk forward slash Connection Matters podcast. And if you like what we're doing and would like to support us, then please do hop over to www.patreon.com forward slash Connection Matters Podcast, where you can sign up as one of our supporters for as little as just £3 a month. And that's really helpful to us. That's what helps us keep ticking over so that we can keep bringing you these inspiring and beautiful and lovely episodes so thank you for everyone who already supports us really so grateful to you i think that might be it from me today so without further ado this is jill kettle hi jill how are you very well thanks leona it's great to be here it's really good to have you here and you may know i always start this session with gratitude so i'd love to share some gratitude with you today I'm sitting here, the autumn leaves are turning outside, it's very still and quite mild and I'm really grateful today for a sense of personal growth. I had a call before where I was reflecting on the fact that I'm quite quiet at the moment in terms of work and in terms of busyness around family and personal events and socialising and then I realised actually I'm not quiet I'm just not overwhelmed. And it was a really interesting realization of, oh yeah, I'm I'm constantly doing things. You know, I'm running around, I'm sorting with the kids, I am working. I'm just not over busy. I'm not feeling scattered. I'm not feeling run down and, and broken because I'm doing so much, which is my normal state, I must say. So it was a bit of a a flip for me to realise that I can live like this. You know, it doesn't have to be overwhelm all the time, but it's possible to live in a way where everything fits in, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And that was great because it was a realisation that I'd reached a place that I've been trying to get to, you know, a state of uh, relative ease and a state of peace and balance within my home and work environment and uh, and yeah so I'm really grateful for that I'm really grateful for all the things that have supported me to get to this point I'm really grateful for my life right now and um, yeah grateful for all of the sort of synchronicities and opportunities that are presenting themselves to me right now Yeah, grateful for a lot of things and I could go on, but I'm going to invite your gratitude. Oh, thank you, Leona. Well, I'm grateful for your gratitude, actually, because that's very inspiring and beautiful to hear. And actually, in the way that is so often the case with themes, when two or more people get together, it uh, really speaks to me too. Um, I'm really grateful 
for the relationship between laying a prayer out and then what happens. Because similar to you, I put out some time back as the season started to turn. And as I was reflecting upon a really full and busy summer, as the post-COVID opening crashed in of just really needing to take some time to digest and reflect and integrate with the season change and harness and harvest the juice of this year and really see what putting my family and putting my children first feels and looks like in a world and life that can be so ever busy. So likewise and similar to you, I'm grateful for a sense of hearth and home and not overwhelm and not overwhelm means flow. I think really I'm grateful for flow. Um, I'm really grateful for friends and for mm. humour and for good food, for the first fires of the season and for a really good berry harvest this year and hawthorns. I'm really grateful for this closing in. I love Halloween. I love Samhain. Such a good part of the year. Yeah, I'm grateful for family, for really loving partnership and uh, the the flourishing and the chaos of family life and children. <laughs> um, yeah, there's many, many things I'm grateful for. I'm really grateful for um, the teachers that we share in common, actually, as well, and the lineages that have nourished both our work. And I'm mm. grateful for all of those on whose shoulders I stand um, and for their generous giving through time of, of juicy nuggets of wisdom that I can work with and explore in ways that feel meaning, meaningful to me. So, yeah, there's also a lot more I could say. We could spend a whole hour on gratitude and such a wonderful practice it is, but um, that is me. <laughs> wow yeah beautiful and yes I join you with all of those gratitudes yeah thank you for sharing and thank you for being here I'm going to share a little bit um about how we know each other because I think it's been four five years, five years I think yeah something like that yeah so Jill and I started working together with uh, Sal Gencarelli for listeners of the podcast. There's an episode with Sal, one of the early episodes. And Sal is a teacher based in America who has worked uh, with Native American tradition, uh, Lakota lineage for over 30 years. And yeah, we met training together. We met on our quest for more depth to our wisdom and our uh, seeking a way to connect more deeply with spirit and life and how to live in a good way and how to share that in a good way and, and it's been a really rich experience doing that training and meeting and sharing that with you Jill and then more recently uh, well obviously we've also been to the art of mentoring together which again is something that's really deeply informed my life and parenting and more recently I joined you for the fire quest that you were holding and it was super beautiful it really supported me in my journey into developing that as a way of bringing the work into my life and what a wonderful holding of space we were in these beautiful woods in uh, in Sussex and 
flatwoods which um if anybody knows the the north of england or the part where i live is is unheard of <laughs> so it was beautiful to be there and uh, and just be with people who are questing for for life you know questing for you know looking at how they can grow and move more deeply into the world and and bring the, the best of themselves into the future so yeah powerful but we can talk more about FireQuest at another point. Um, so I'd love to hear, Jill, for the for the listeners at home, a little bit more about your time before that, where you came from, how you got into doing this work or even wanting to do this work, and what is it that's brought you to this point? Oh, gosh, um, that's a huge question. It's a huge question. <laughs> and I suppose um, the essence of that is beginning my working life as an acupuncturist or going on a journey to train as an acupuncturist after um, studying psychology at university and becoming quite disillusioned with a Western model of looking at reducing everything down. And sometimes I felt losing touch with the bigger picture, with the interconnections between things. And in my slightly messy and crazy life in University Manchester, a really beautiful touchstone was Qigong and Tai Chi for me. And this opening unfolded of, of a deep experience of relationship to my own body and to the energy that flows within it, that led me on a path to, to study acupuncture. And I got really interested in women's health, in the complexity of that, in the cyclical nature of that, in how I saw that mapping like a fractal into every aspect of living and life. And I found that the Taoism, the cyclical qualities of traditional Chinese medicine helped to heal something that I had found really lacking in finding something that really deeply made sense growing up in a very typical middle-class white English background with quite a lot of pressure at school to achieve and to succeed, none of which brought the happiness or the sense of relationship or connection that I was really looking for. So I think that was the first really significant step of like such gratitude to Chinese medicine and to my journey with acupuncture. And I started working a lot with women and with addiction um, and got very involved with, with women's health. And through that became a doula around the time of the birth of my first baby and started to get very interested in birth. And on my journey learning about being a birth keeper and working, I, I found a, this amazing woman, Jane Hardwick Collins, who I'll um, refer to later and, and, and offer the opportunity for people to read more about her if they would like to find out. Um, she herself was a midwife and she drew out the links between the women's rites of passage and looking at how birth is just one such portal and how if we're really going to tend our lives as women especially we can look at how we bring things into life be that babies or other projects in the world not not excluding um you know so not exclusive to childbirthing um but how we as women manifest things is so connected to the women's blood mysteries to how we were born how we were welcomed at the threshold of our womanhood, how we do the whole creative and birthing process and, and how we may go through our menopause and that transition 
into our mature years and ultimately death. So she was really drawing out this relationship and saying, look, you know, we, we are people, we have themes, we come in with something to work with. Um, you know, and, and the quality of one threshold or one rite of passage will dramatically impact the next and therefore the next. And each threshold then becomes an opportunity to resolve and heal something that might have happened before. And how do we as a culture start to look at that? And how do we as people start to tend those thresholds? Because initiations will be happening whether we acknowledge them or not. You know, so how a young person is met at the gateway of their puberty will inform how they feel and see the world. And that will go into their system. So if we ignore it or we offer them a particular image of what it is like to be a man or a woman, that's something that will, will gel at that point in a very particular, very unique way. And that will then show up again at the next major threshold. You know, or in multiple ways in the little cycles that run through our days and weeks and years. And the whole thing got me really fascinated, got me fascinated with rites of passage, got me fascinated with the bigger picture of, of how we birth ourselves into the world and ultimately how we connect to a really original spark of something that we might have to offer and that we might have to bring and how our Western style education isn't set up to look for that seed or to create the conditions in which an individual might uniquely flourish. So I got really interested in, in how, do we, how do we birth ourselves? How do we find the unique spark that we might each have to bring? And um, that took me on a big journey. It took me on a journey into exploring rites of passage for women. I was really involved with an outfit called Women in Power, um, which is a fantastic women's initiation program that supports women to get in touch with what they call the predator within. And the predator within is, is looking at how we internalize critical energy. Um, obviously the history that we are standing within for what men and women alike is so power over, so about dominating, about taking resources, about pushing and I see one of the big faces of the wounded feminine as being how have we, we internalized some of those dynamics that seek to push down and squash our original nature. And so Women in Power is all about supporting women to recognize how they have maybe internalized criticism and now do it to themselves or how if they've been hurt, how do they then hurt themselves or hurt others? Um, it's a really beautiful program. It's often really oversubscribed. It's quite tricky to get on, but the community um, and the women that I met and that real, trend, um, uh, what's the right word, intergenerational nature of that community was a wonderful place to grow and to learn about holding space for myself and for others. Um, and through my participation in that program, I got really involved with um, women's circles in, in Brighton, where I live. Um, and with a group of friends initiated a, a red tent here, which sparked off years and years of women gathering um, with no cost to create supportive environments, to explore deep questions for ourselves, to look at what it is to be a woman, to look at how we can um, support and resource one another. And I met lots of wonderful people and lots of beautiful things happened. And a part of that journey was then wanting to explore from 
somebody who I could really trust as having a good handle on indigenous wisdom, um, how earlier earth-based cultures did this and what are the patterns. And that's where we met through Sal and also through John Young and the work with the Eight Shields, which I know this podcast is really related to. So looking at that. So yeah, my working life as an acupuncturist has continued through that whole journey, but I've gone on um, a journey to to really explore um, rites of passage and initiation and what that might look like. Mm. Yeah, there's a bit more to it than that about the work with, with mums and girls. That's now a big part of my life, but maybe we can talk a bit more about that in a while. Yeah. Yes, I'd love to. And thank you. And it is, it's a story, isn't it? <laughs> it is a beautiful story. And it's the story of our, our lives that brings us to this point. And the one, you know, that we choose to bring and, and share is, is, is so powerful. And so I love to hear how it's evolved, how your journey has taken shape and why. And, you know, obviously <laughs> in a few minutes, we can only hear so much, but yeah. yeah. Um, and I would definitely say in all of that, you know, linking it back to how we started um, with looking at birth, which was where I started with all of this, with, with being in the birthing room, with being present with women as they birthed themselves as mothers and as a new life was born and looking at that relationship between something dying and something getting born, you know, we're having to revision ourselves so often in life um, that for me, I've got three children and each birth was such um, an opportunity to to go within again and for something to die and for something new to emerge. And that that wasn't always a process that I pushed with my conscious mind. It was something that, that, that came through in a very different kind of way to deciding it. Mm. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was born uh, or there were certain longings or feelings or senses of what was truly important that felt imperative to follow at each moment as you said before it happens anyway these rites of passage you know these these significant moments in life which take us from one state of being and way of being into another you know significant deaths in the family or significant life changes and recognizing those as thresholds rather than just expecting ourselves to push on no matter what and expecting uh, that we can do the same things at all times and maintain the same level of of um, participation in in the world no matter what it just isn't realistic and we're not holding each other as communities we don't have those skills or what I feel and see in, in life is that very few of us live in communities that have the skills and awareness to hold that differently. Um, mm. This drive that we have to always keep going, as you said, it comes from deep wounds. And mm. the exciting thing, as we are in this sort of time of transition, is that we're seeing the gaps. We're seeing those gaps. We're seeing the need. And there are people now feeling around looking for who's still who is holding this this in a good way what can we do to really acknowledge the transitions that we go through through life and the um the the rites of passage or the the moments the significant events that help us to evolve um individually but also collectively and 
yeah, it's ex- exciting to hear, particularly we've not had anyone really talking about um, women's work, work with women. And I think, you know, being a woman myself, having grown up in a time where I had a lot of opportunity, have a lot of opportunity. And I've come mm-hmm. from, you know, a family who loves me, who's tried to support all the things that I've wanted to do in a country where we're very privileged we have options and choices and you know things are still imbalanced in many ways for many people but at the same time um you know I've been able to make certain choices that have enabled me to grow and evolve but what I really realized as I was becoming a teenager and a, and a young adult was how little I knew about being an empowered woman really other than pushing forwards you know not letting myself be pushed out of the games of football or the games of card that the boys are playing on you know and I would sort of put myself there in order to be an equal yeah but that felt very different to what I'm hoping for for my daughter Mm -hmm. um, or what I would hope for for anyone which is to be able to have the freedom to explore what it is to be you and what it is to be um connected to our um well I don't know something that's that comes from a sense of being allowed to be who I need to be and um yeah through guidance and I think that that's, that's like you know to speak of, of the women's mysteries or to speak about women's work it is the lens through which I've I'm, I'm, I can speak through as a woman and as given the nature of what I've engaged with, but I also feel that the teachings are totally universal for, for men and women alike, the um, human, just that the sense of understanding what that quality of the sacred feminine is. And to me, what I mean by that is the thing that gives life, you know, the, the part of nature or the aspect of nature that's that's responsible for that life-giving, life-generative component, which then the masculine sparks. And, you know, however poetical or metaphorical wants to get with it, the bottom line is that that, that stuff of life has a cycle and it has patterns and it, it follows a rhythm. And when we ignore or come out of line with that rhythm, there's a terrible cost. And when we stop living in relationship with that rhythm, um, yeah, our world and our culture suffers. And, you know, in a way, what I think you were speaking to some minutes ago was, was very much the roadmap to sort of cultural repair of like, how do we, how do we put things back together in a good and whole and healthy way? And how do we replat something that I believe probably was present in early earth-based culture of a of a connected way of understanding our relationship to things of of the deep necessity because of survival to be in connection with the cycles of nature to understand when it was time to rest and to to recognize when it's time to plant and, and time to be outward and how many of the seasons and the celebrations and the and the, the flow of, of hunting or gathering or planting or would have been in relationship with that. And, you know, mental health is not good at the moment, generally speaking. And ecological health is not good at the moment. And that is an absolutely cracking understatement. And so how can we, as people, men, women alike, honour and, and make sacred, make connected that... Um, 
that centrality of the sacred feminine again? That's a really big question for me. And as you know, our teacher Sal, he talks a lot about questions, you know, about the importance of asking good questions. And um, so I don't have, you know, many answers in saying, but I, in talking, but I do feel like, you know, how do we ask ourselves for the right question? Like, how do we, how do we start to honour these things for ourselves? How do we start to honour these things for our children and our communities? You know, these are the questions that draw the doorway in the wall that start to invite experiences into our life that can actually genuinely affect change. And to me, that's about, you know, bringing a sense of active hope that there is something to do in the face of what can seem very, very dark and difficult sometimes. Or there is a bigger picture going on in which the darkness and the difficulty that we're encountering is in, is in itself a part of a bigger cycle of actually needing to journey inwards towards things that are most dark, most difficult to deal with, most difficult to integrate. Our history of colonialization, our history of patriarchy, our history of how um, you know we have, we've handled our environment we're not going to fix by intellect. We're going to, I think, come into relationship with the mess we've made and what needs to be grieved in order for something new to be born and for the for the vision of life to to arrive through our own wisdom and intuition and, and listening and listening to what's really true for each of us. And for me, that's what I find exciting in working with women, um, in 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 starting to be able to go and meet those difficult places which our cycle naturally takes us to and mm. through that um, premenstrual phase through that going into the darker time through that bleed and a lot of what I have worked with over the last um, 10 or 15 years is, is is supporting women to look carefully and be conscious of their own natural body flow it's coming into much more conscious awareness now, which I'm really excited about. You know, there are a lot of teachers and writers now who who, who talk about the relevance of, of this cyclical wisdom. You know, Alexandra Pope and Shani Hugh Wurlitzer have written a wonderful book called Wild Power, um, which is a brilliant point for anybody who's new to, to thinking about working with the cycle. But it encapsulates this idea that we cannot just do things at the same pitch or pace at every point in the season, just as we couldn't do or we wouldn't feel the same in spring as we would in autumn. Mm. And cycle has an incredible inherent wisdom. And if we're working with the current rather than against it, it's brilliant. It's like, um, it's, it's really life-changing and honor and recognize the potency of what it might look like to actually offer ourselves time and space to rest, to bleed. And again, you know, to relate that more to men as well, what might it be like to, to take regular time out, to dream and vision, to know that there are certain points in our cycle where we are likely to be more connected, less cerebral, less rational, less capable of multitasking and need to drop inside to tend to what is most needed and, and to actually offer ourselves that time and space. And, and it doesn't need to be like days off each month. It can just be having an awareness or being willing to, you know, turn the phone off for just a few hours and give the psyche a symbol that we are going to take a breather or a break and allow something other than what we think we might know to bubble up. Just allow our own instinct to show us what might need to, to get released so that something fresh can come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot to say about that. I, I know I can't 
<laughs> do it justice in an hour <laughs> but it's a really really potent thing and also to talk about where it where it where we can often really struggle and it's very different for each person you know we've all got a point in our own personal cycle where we feel most comfortable and we've often got a point where where it's challenging for us and if we bring that metaphor of a whole seasonal cycle in and recognize that maybe in autumn we find it hard or in our premenstrual phase we find it hard and we're seeing all the things that don't work and we're 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 struggling with ourselves maybe or finding being critical of others like if we can really recognize and understand that there's a value in looking at things from that lens that it's important to to clock what's not working in our lives like autumn autumn's just like it's happening all around us the leaves are are turning and the the trees are taking the energy down and anything that's not germane to the essence of carrying that seed forward is is dying away and the same happens in our own cycle as we try and integrate what's happened in the year and if we want to carry a really good and healthy juicy seed forward you know the stuff that's not working is going to need to show up and here we are in that moment in the year. And here we are, I think, in this moment culturally too. The stuff that's not working is so blindingly obvious what's not sustainable. And, you know, what we're going to do with that? Generally speaking, trying to sort things out when one is um, highly premenstrual can lead to some quite interesting conflict and not always very resourceful. But it's really helpful to notice what's going on at that point in the cycle and then come back and tend to it later from another place maybe with more resources and to give ourselves space to feel those feelings and to give ourselves time to to be with what's not comfortable or maybe to celebrate what has happened it's not always a negative thing at all yeah Mm. so much there (laughs) and and yeah the cycles and tracking in that inner tracking that you're talking about I've been doing this work of connection, this work of healing, working with people for uh, 20 years in one way or another. And it really was only in the last six years, five, six years that I really got down to to focusing on my own personal menstrual cycle as a lens to look through in terms of how I am, how I'm feeling, how I'm behaving how I'm able to create yeah. and how I'm able to heal. And and actually, you know, that, that felt like a real, it was very exciting whenever I started tracking it and becoming more aware, but a real loss because actually I'm not that far away from losing that cycle, yeah. you know? And now, uh, and had I had more awareness of it when I was a teenager or, or a young adult, I, you know, how might my life have been different? Yeah. How might my relationships have been different? How might I've been able to harness some of that, you know, innate energy, that innate awareness that yeah. comes from our bodies, from yeah. within. But I was so disconnected from yeah. my body for a long time. And that's me who was always trying to connect, you know, in different ways, in my own ways. And so I do wonder, you know, how it's no wonder that we've got to a point where we, well, if we're all so disconnected from our bodies, from the cycles, from the way the seasons change and how that might affect us and what we might choose to do at different times of the year, then it's no wonder that we're not able to listen to each other or listen to the deeper wisdom that comes from within or without in order to make better choices. 
such important work, Jill. So important. I also feel like there's this 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 is why. So I'd like to speak about this um this piece that I've called "Welcoming Our Daughters at the Threshold of Womanhood," welcoming ourselves, uh, which feels to me like okay so what are really useful intervention points if we want to see change and um you know if a if a young woman is met of her puberty of her menarche of her first period with messages that um you know this is something to be ashamed of that she's now a sexual being or a myriad of different things that culturally get hit our teens at the moment um there's going to be a really big internalization of, of that message whatever that might be at that point that's going to play out for a long long time if there is space given to that welcome if there is an opportunity to support her to integrate that her body is taking her through because we don't need to initiate a young woman they do it for themselves it's just what we do have a responsibility to do is is how we hold that um if she can recognize that there is beauty and majesty and magnificence in that cycle in that flow in the potential of her womanhood in the potential of what she can create if she can carry the potential to make new life with the sort of honor and responsibility of what that really means this is a very very good thing for how she will be able to show up at the thousands of other thresholds she's going to meet in her life and what it often seems to reveal as well is that you know it can be very very difficult for women of our kind of generation you know mid 40s who may not have had that kind of welcome to be able to separate out honoring and welcoming our own children if we have daughters from what we might have needed and it, what i see that can be a bit of a crappy toxic thing is that so what i really needed i give to my child but it's not really what she really needed i'm trying to give myself what i needed through her and then all of a sudden this whole re-energizing of a lot of intergenerational wounds kicks off out of the bag you know mm. it's utterly classic that when a child grows to an age where an adult had a, had a disconnect that whole trauma gets re-energized in the family system and therefore it can often re, re catapult you know and happen all over again because the child isn't getting the right food for them they're not getting seen and met and held with what's right so um this set of ideas was really bubbling around in me for a long time so firstly the sense that gosh if we could get the puberty threshold right for our young people it would really save a lot of problems later down the line um and the other side of that story being how can we begin to look at the question of initiation or, or supporting the rights of passage for young people if we don't look at ourselves as as adults mm. and that a program that exclusively focuses on on the kids is going to miss a really big trick so um when my little son who's now 7 was um being breastfed i had this really strong quite visionary experience really of of a program pouring through and I spent a couple of days just writing everything down um I'd recently finished my training with Jane Hardwick Collins um and she had been so generous with her teachings she'd really said look take this and make it yours take this you'll find your place in the cycle that that really sinks to you to work and for me it was that you know based on my experience of the red tent and this potent powerful experience of being connected in a relationship with a lot of women and all that that brought up 
um, had been really helpful for me to remember something, which is, of course, an ongoing journey. You know, no means cooked on any of this stuff at all. I'm just interested in asking good questions. And so in that in that um, rebirth of my own from my second child, this idea of creating a project or a, um, a framework to start to begin to address this problem got born. And with my dear friend, Sansara Tanner, who is the mother of all doulas, she's fantastic birth keeper and a grandmother and a woman who is so comfortable in her skin and so comfortable with her sexuality and her sensuality that she radiates it. We started working with mums and preteen and early teenage girls um, in these programs, uh, which consisted of day-long uh, um, experiences and then regular summer camps, looking at how could we welcome these girls at the threshold of their womanhood and also welcome ourselves as women. And that programme has been running for five or six years now. It's been a joy. Uh, it's been a right odd learning curve too, because of course, when we start to look at this stuff, we meet those places in ourselves, the grief of what we didn't have and how do we hold that well? But I think we're getting somewhere and the holding team has grown now to include wonderful practitioners. And part of the journey that I'm on at the moment is how do we integrate this wet women's work with deep nature connection? So I'd like to acknowledge and honor Anna Richardson um, and Agnes Ashbell in particular, who've helped me develop this program um, to incorporate deep nature connections so that ultimately my deepest hope is that the girls who come into this space can feel like a deep sense of what it is to be themselves, what their yes is, what their no is, what connection to that self is, as a starting point to start to track that cycle. And we teach in really playful and age appropriate ways um, the cycle. Samsara works with the girls and really takes that sort of double click into the menstrual cycle. But really what we do is we teach about the cycle um, so that the girls have some way of orientating themselves and framing themselves as a part of something that shifts and moves. And that they know that they have these access points to, to deep, sensitive, intuitive, wise places in themselves that they can start to draw out their seed because one thing I'm really keen on on exploring and supporting is that you know ultimately you know if we have a gift to bring so much of our culture is about entitlement about you know me I'm special look at me especially the modern day you know social media Facebook so, um, culture which is like looking at how amazing someone is and that's not a bad thing in its own right but the problem is if it if if we do something with young people that it feeds their ego in the wrong kind of way. I think we missed the point of what an initiatory experience can be. What's the gift I have that can then both serve and nourish myself, but also serve and nourish the community, be something that I can feed back in so that my participation in life can be a part of this big multi-celled thing that we all live within, where if we're bringing the very best of ourselves forward, we are going to sh make shine those around us and help creation um be in a good way with itself and so i mean for me that's very much at the core of this how do we support these young people to to both feel really good about themselves for the sake of being in service to life in a better way and for the women it's very much about well how do we tend to those places in ourselves that may not have been met 
how do we render ourselves whole again? How do we get really truthful with what we need? And um, yeah, and it's it's beautiful and it's ongoing. And I think I'm going to be an apprentice to it for as long as I live, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But I'm really enjoying the weave of community and ceremony mm -hmm. and this particular work as something I think could be really helpful, can be genuinely useful in mm -hmm. In, in the journey towards cultural repair. Absolutely. And so important, just anything, and particularly this thing of helping us see ourselves, see each other, see our potential and how we can give back, how we can uh, have meaning. meaning. It brings meaning, doesn't it? When we go through and we're always looking about what we can get from life, it's quite a soulless existence. You know, we're looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Whereas when we actually take that time and we're shown how to go deeper and how to, you know, look at what we can do in order to, um, you know, take our place in the world. And when that's witnessed in a good way, that's, that's so powerful. Yeah. Having done it for all those years now, what does it look like? Have you are you in contact with any of the the young women and and mothers who started with you right at the beginning? Yes, I am actually. It's really beautiful. It's it's you know for me these things have not really been about wanting to run workshops as such. You know that are standalone and to try to build genuine community that lasts over time has always run parallel with with this. You know how do we create those interweavings those relationships support them to develop as they will on their own naturally when people make friends but yes um it's been really heartwarming actually to hear stories of especially girls who've been through the very early programs we deliberately work with girls who are probably a way away from their first bleed to set the context for what is coming and to find a way of wrapping and acknowledging their middle childhood before they make that that bigger threshold um and so yeah oftentimes you know girls would be two three years before they would actually have their first period coming in and then hearing messages from their mom or through the whatsapp groups that most groups generate you know of of them having really positive experiences and often we would club together and buy that girl a bunch of flowers and you know just yeah just really support her to feel met and seen and special in that and to support her mother create the right kind of ceremony for that girl, not some generic one size fits all. This is how you do this because that's rubbish and it doesn't work. Each it's such a sensitive and unique time for each person. It's like, what do they really need? You know, that one um, and, you know, supporting, setting up the conditions where that, that can be found in a good way. But yes, it's been great. And it's, it's constantly, reassured and encouraged me of the value of the work actually hearing positive stories of a girl being genuinely like strong in in, in understanding her her bleed and having a positive experience of that most women in our generation that I've spoken to through the course of this work did not have that hmm. and it's a genuine shift in a generation and we have we are foundation builders for sure at the very very most we've got generations to come I think but if if those girls can step into that at that age, like you spoke, I wish I'd found out about this stuff sooner. Oh gosh, mm. so do I. Mm. Like I really do. But if we can, as aunties and as mothers, whether or not we have our own children, support 
this sense of like the value of what this could be, there's a massive untapped resource in the wisdom and the potency of a proper moon lodge, moon time, you know, of taking time out through the bleeding to rest, to pray. And in that, I mean, come into conversation with life, mm. to ask for what is needed, to to long, you know, the word for prayer in, in the lineage that we share is uh, wachekia, the reason we cry out. You know, why, what do we most long for? If we can take that journey month by month and call out at that time for what we need and take care of ourselves through the cycle so that when spring comes, we can look at the little shoots that want to grow in our lives and tend the right ones. And when summer comes, we can really give space to celebrate what we're creating. And when autumn comes, recognize that we may need to edit or refine and integrate and digest coming back in towards the next cycle where we can lay ourselves down again and really truly listen receive rest bless and then begin that again if we can do that as cycling women through our cycling years and learn what that's like when we hit our menopause when we hit that time where that threshold the next threshold comes the threshold towards eldership if we understand how that process works if we understand how to navigate going in towards the dark going in towards those more shaky times where we see all the things in ourselves and in others that are no longer serving or functioning when we recognize that there is a seed that we carry but we have to refine it if we can know how to do that as i've been told and as i've had mirrored back to me by women who i've watched go through the menopause with such potency and grace that they've really been able to harvest the value of their life and and use that opportunity as a chance to clean up and heal those things that have not been resolved yet. My teacher refers to the menopause as the mother of all reckonings. If we haven't had the chance to really acknowledge and integrate our life or learn how to do that through our cycle month in, month out, we will, we will really be faced with quite a lot of challenge at that time. And I think that's what we do see societally. We see women really struggle at that threshold because firstly, it is not honored. You know, the, 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 the chat that's given to menstruating or menopausal women is dark. You know, it's really, really uh, dismissive, uh, judgmental, uh, speaking to all those parts of the feminine that are air. Yeah, you know, nuts, crazy, lunatic, um, mental, all of these things, you know, giving no space to the, to the, uh, the fact that a really important process is going on here, you know, um, that something that is needed to burn out, refine, even hot flushes have their purpose. They're, they're there to burn up, um, uh, to increase the body temperature to a point where, where, where cells that are not dividing properly get killed off. So it's, it's, it's anti-carcinogenic to have a hot flush. There is a purpose to it, you know. It's really beautiful. And I mean, I'm not menopausal yet, so I'm not speaking from a place of, okay, I know this threshold, I've done it. But I'm fascinated by it nonetheless, that there's this opportunity for us to step into true eldership using this part of the cycle. And I know that one of the very significant people in this work for me has been an Aboriginal elder called Min Maya, who was gracious enough to welcome me to her home when my little boy was just one, when I was designing this program. She 
is an amazing woman. She's written a book called Under the Quandong Tree, which is tricky to get hold of in England, but well worth a read if you can. Um, she has written about Indigenous uh, Aboriginal wisdom, which didn't make her super popular in Australia. But she is a pretty foul-mouthed woman, actually. She was just like, yeah, fuck it. You know, <laughs> we're all Indigenous. We're all Indigenous. And, you know, it's like this is for everyone right now and there's no time to waste. You know, and so she she was very she helped me a lot actually develop the program I'm now running and she 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 looked at it and she said the one thing you're really gonna need on this course, if you're gonna make anything happen, really happen, if you're gonna really like get into a space and touch people's hearts, is you need a Mimi, you need a grandmother. Because you as a menstruating woman, you will not be able to bring down the energy uh in a form that will help these young people. You need the grandmother to do that work because your body isn't configured at this point to do that. You're still cycling. There's something so exciting about stepping over that threshold, I think. And I wonder how mm, the majority of women's lives in this country and in the world could be if they could look forward to that threshold as something that would be empowering and potent and strong rather than as something that represented the end of all that is good and all that is honored about being a woman you know because that's really how our society mainly looks at it you know spring beauty is the kind of beauty that it's good to be you know whip it slim uh in your mid-20s or less uh with really great skin and you know mm. pert things everywhere you know and <laughs> the bottom line is most of us are not there and it's inevitably going to shift. So how can we like really, you know, celebrate, celebrate the autumn, that beautiful, my teacher calls it autumn, autumn woman harvest queen, something like that. Step into sovereignty and to step into, into all of that wisdom that that life cycle's brought that can then be brought out in service to the community um, in a whole different way to uh, how we might be able to bring it in our years where we're, you know, both of us brought in at the beginning of this talk about yeah, how busy we are with our kids, you know? It's a, it's a busy time. Mm -hmm. It's a busy time and it's a busy, it's a busy life when you see what needs doing and want to be part of that, you know? You want to be part of the shift, you want to be part of the transition, the change, the evolution of, of our times and, and, and yet, longing for the community around to support you to be the best mother you can be at the same time and yeah challenging but as you said all of those things if if we if we looked upon things differently if we had a deeper understanding of each transition and what it can bring and we were initiated at each step of the way into that with a forward view of life that only became brighter then life would be yeah, a whole different place. The fear of having to do everything right now and that yeah. sort of instant <laughs> gratification that is needed in today's life because we never know what's going to come next wouldn't feel, you know, so urgent. And yet, you know, given everything that's going on in the world, we do need these things now. We do need to step into mm. our power as soon as we can in order to be part of the... the, the um... Yeah, but I think recognising that this word power and the feminine's a curious one but to me that power also means responsibility to be able to respond and listen to the different things that we're 
being shown at each point, which therefore also means to be powerful, means to really be able to rest mm. as well and to let things integrate and digest. And I think my friends, if they're listening to this, would probably laugh heartily because I charge about <laughs> a lot of time. So, you know, practicing what is preached is, is, is a different thing altogether. But, you know, to be able to to do as you're doing at the moment, to to, to be in action without it necessarily needing to be you know, driven in that same overstretched way that most of us have been conditioned into thinking is what success looks like. Mm. Oh, Jill, I could talk to you about this for so long because there's so much there, isn't there? Just in thinking about our relationships to, you know, each stage of life and and stepping out of the model of young being the best and, you know, when you're in your prime, as, as is said, when actually, you know, e- each part is needs to be valued, equally valued and, mm. and brought to, um, to brought to fruition through the support of everyone around us. Yeah. How can for someone who's listening to this and is aware through listening to this, maybe that and what they don't have, what they yeah would like to have yeah what would be the first thing that one could do in order to come back into balance with that and come into some relationship with themselves around cycles okay well there are a lot of very good resources uh, available now um the red school runs a really good online program for learning to work with your menstrual cycle so to use that as a i mean i know that what you're doing in this podcast seems to be about you know looking at connection in general and I would say that what we're looking at perhaps in this particular podcast is a double click into the women's mysteries and I think that the red school does this very very well um so that is also connected to this book I mentioned earlier it's the same people uh, the wild power book um Jane Hardwick Collins is an amazing resource though she lives in Australia she has a wonderful uh, website uh, called Moonsong which speaks to this, which are really good reading materials on there. I think to take one's own being as a place of study and to go on a journey with that can be such a rich rich thing. Um, I sometimes run courses on this. I haven't got one at this point running, but if anybody was interested in finding out about that, them or um, the Welcoming Our Daughters programmes, you can sign up to my newsletter, which is at www.findingself.co.uk. And there's quite a lot of information there about this work through the women and ceremonies section and daughters section. Um, and some other things about the fire questing and things that we probably won't talk about today, but are connected to this as well in terms of deepening relationship to the natural world and ourselves as a part of that natural world. So, you know, those are places on that website there. Um, if you go to the resources tab, I've put together in various subsections, women's work, grief tending, ceremony. There's there's a lot of references and, and book lists and links within that website that would give a, a broad overview um, and also book list to this sort of material. Yeah. And also, I'm super happy to to talk to anybody to, you know, do quite a bit of mentoring these days if people want to explore, you know, what, how this might look in their own life. And, you know, um, yeah, 
we could we could sort something out for sure with that mm, great thank you and yeah your website's great it's got a lot of information i loved reading about the different sections which to me they're all about the same thing because they are all about this underlying thing of connection connection yeah. being core connection to ourselves to our you know to the the cycles of living and dying the letting go the shadow side as well as yeah. the celebration and honoring and bringing in you know each stage and in a good way so um yeah, yeah thanks for putting that together it's beautiful and yeah. thank you for such a lovely conversation today which has gone so deep as I knew it would having heard you speak before and knowing the depth of wisdom that you hold around all of this work and at the same time how humble you are about it knowing that you're on this journey yourself as we all are a journey of life in order to become a fully alive human being with all of the attributes of connection it's been a real pleasure thank you Jill thank you Leona and thank you for creating this beautiful opportunity to to share what matters most to you as well thank you very much thank you so much for listening to this podcast i hope it inspires you to follow your path of deep connection i love sharing this information so much and i'll always share any relevant links in my show notes if you like the show please consider supporting it at patreon.com forward slash connection matters podcast this is where you'll find bonus episodes, giveaways and behind the scenes content from me, as well as having my huge heartfelt thanks for any support that you can give me. It really helps with the viability of the show. You can get most of what will be on offer for as little as £3 per month. Please also subscribe on whatever app you use by clicking that little subscribe button below. That way you'll get all of the upcoming episodes straight into your device. And please leave a review on iTunes. It's so helpful to our ratings. The music that opens and closes the show is actually by my very own dad, Ray Johnson. Thanks, Dad. And you can hear more of his music at soundcloud.com forward slash visionray.